The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Tonight, Siskel and Ebert, pussies. We got Blake and LeBlanc, Sam Elliott and the emaciated Sasquatch, and you'll cringe when I whore myself out to a real live Hollywood director. All that and more tonight on Monsterland. Welcome to a wicked mystery, a paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts, paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc, and the host of the Curse of Oak Island drilling down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Hello, monsters. Welcome to episode 208 of the Monsterland podcast. Season two is in full swing with me, my friend, mentor, and author, researcher, lecturer, Ronnie LeBlanc. What's up, Maddie? How are you, buddy? Good, brother. Good to see you again. You too. A um, couple quick announcements before we get into this. Um, we're, we're on a roll, man. There's going to be three great episodes in a row. Awesome. Three great interviews in a row. Yeah. Coming off the heel of last week, our earth-shattering Sasquatch growl. That was cool. Um, if you have not heard that, go back and listen to last week, and you can comment on our social media. Tell tell us what you think. If you think it was a Bigfoot, let us hear about it. We got a lot of reaction to that. But a um, couple quick announcements. Um, we will not drop a new episode next Tuesday. Uh, the uh, the Tuesday after this, we're not going to record next week, so there will be a week off. I'm going to Florida, mm-hmm. and. Um, what else? Oh, I got a bunch of comments, Ronnie. I, I got to clear something up. Not a controversy, okay. really, but I just wanted to address it because <clears throat> we have a lot of cross-pollination right. listeners of this podcast. And what I mean by that is with your book, we have people that are, are your fans from your book and who have been following you because you've been doing this for a long time. And then we have my group of little fans and then we have fans from Oak Island who found us because I host the companion show with Oak Island. Right. And then we had fans that found us through my radio show on right. WAF. WAF yeah. So I don't know if you noticed, even through the Monsterland stuff, I was getting tons of messages saying, yes. what happened to Maddie yeah. and Nick? What happened to Maddie and Nick? So for those of you in England or wherever you may listen to this, we get emails from you. What I'm talking about is in one of my uh, day jobs <laughs> was I co-hosted a radio show here in Boston, Massachusetts at a legacy rock station. Um, and it was Monday through Friday, afternoon drive. Um, and we just had a good old time on your ride home. That was our only mission and, to make people laugh. And that's where we met. Monster and that's Land where Monday. we met because I yep. found your book and I started doing a segment on that show called Monsterland Monday. Yep. So in a way, my radio show gave birth in a sense to this podcast, yep. although we would have done this podcast anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, well, so that uh, that show is over. Maddie and Nick is over. We did two years um we did not, we're not going to do a third. So I've been getting a bunch of, a lot actually. People are um, sat on their way home and this is, this is tough. On an all new, very emotional <laughs> monster land on Lifetime. <laughs> what 
where are you going to get your fart jokes Monday through Friday <laughs> driving home? No, it was a great run. It was a great run. Um, I, I loved most every second of it. Um, I'll go in later. For those of you who listen to this and you're Maddie and Nick fans, I'll just say this. You're all asking, when are you guys going to do something? What's going on? When are you going to be back? Yeah. I can only say this. Nick and I are still talking, you know, about what might be next. I don't know that we'll ever do a daily radio show again. I can't promise that because I've got Oak Island. I've got some other TV things happening right now, as you know, right. Ronnie, yep. and I want to kind of pursue that. Um, but I can promise you this. Nick and I will do something together at some point on some sort of consistent basis, you know, whether it be a monthly podcast or a, a once a year, I don't know, right. but oh, we're yeah. not going to not do something and we're not going to not do something in very short order because a lot of people want to hear what happened with Maddie and Nick. They want to get into that. Sure. So we will some do a closure. I promise yeah. you when we get on the other side of some contractual stuff and mm-hmm. um, we will do a podcast, Nick and I and Ronnie, you'll be there and uh, our producer Stanley will be there and we'll, we'll get the gang back together and we will awesome. do a, Nice, big, fat, two-hour, what happened to Maddie and Nick and the whole deal. I love it. So I just want to address that. <laughs> and that's actually about the age of our audience. That's yes. the, right there. That's Settle the, down, kids. That's the, or at least that's the mentality of our audience. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get back to business. Um, this is a cool thing that happened. So if you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll notice that our producer, Dave, last week or two weeks ago actually brought up the question... Um, why isn't there a quintessential Bigfoot film? Right. Where is it? And so we kind of went through the history of that. And then last week we found a clip and it was a Bigfoot film. The title was, uh, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. And we thought, my God. And we watched the trailer and we got all excited. Um, and then I think we have the sound of this. I, while we were doing the podcast, literally, I went on IMDb, and I think we have a clip. Here it is. This is last week on last week's episode. Go ahead, David. <laughs> sending a move. Show I'm, off. I'm sending an email right now to the director, his representation. We're going to get him on this podcast. Oh, I awesome. Talk, this, this, this could be our Bigfoot movie we wanted. Well, little did I know that it only took a week because tonight on the pod, podcast, stepping into Monsterland is the director of this new film, Bob, Chris, Bob Kraskowski, and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he is awesome. This movie. Now, let's talk about the movie real quick before yeah. we get to the interview. Um, Ronnie, you what, what were your thoughts on the film? I wanted to see, I mean, immediately pumped about just the title, right? Yeah. And I wanted to see a Bigfoot movie, but it wasn't really a Bigfoot movie per se. So you kind of go in with some expectations, and it's beautifully shot. Um, great actors. For me, it was a little slow kind of going off uh, right out of the gate. But after kind of watching it, I had my reservations about it, and there were certain things I didn't like, certain things I loved. Uh, but overall, I was like, yeah, this is this is cool. I, I, I think I have a, a greater appreciation for it now than I did before because I had such expectations of what this movie is going to be. Yes, well, in this interview that you're about to hear with the filmmaker, with the director, and the screenwriter... Um, I admit to that. I I I, I admit right. culpability that I had expectations that this is going to be a badass Bigfoot movie. Yeah, and I really had to let that go. And once I let it go, Ronnie, not only do I like this movie, I love it. I think it's 
gutsy. I think I think you're either going to, I think it's one of those movies. Yeah. You're, you're either going to love it or you're not going to get it type of thing, maybe. Um, there'll probably be very little middle ground, um, but that's what I love. I love mm. when artists take chances, and this guy yeah. took a chance, and to me, it paid off. It asks questions. Now, we do get into the Bigfoot thing in this interview. Don't think it's just going to be a film review. Right. Um, he gets in. He tells his potential Bigfoot experience. Yes, which is... Eerily similar to my early one, and he's a Mass native, which is Massachusetts so cool. native. And we get into some questions, some moral questions about this whole Bigfoot phenomena, the whole cryptozoology mm. thing, which this movie brings up. And we get into that. And he's just funny and nice and cool. Great and guy. Super intelligent, you can tell. Yeah. Um, and then I uh, ruined the whole thing by whoring myself out. <laughs> so enjoy, everybody. You left out, um, Maddie. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Ron, while uh, Ronnie was the one, while we were off the air, mm-hmm. before we were, were talking to, to Bob, uh, Ronnie sniffed out the, the Bigfoot story of him uh, walking around Massachusetts. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. you were in the bathroom when that happened. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was preparing my uh, my headshots and resume for Bob. <laughs> uh, here's Bob Kraskowski, uh, director of the new film, The Man Who Killed Hitler, and then The Bigfoot. Bob Kraskowski, welcome to Monsterland. Hi, how are you, Maddie? Hi, Ron. Hey. We are thrilled. Uh, we turned this thing around in a week. We found out about your movie literally last week while recording a podcast episode, and we've got the director of the film on a week later. This is fantastic. Unprecedented. <laughs> Well, that's uh, Katrina Wan and her team uh, doing the press on the movie in Los Angeles. They, uh, they're they just really great people, really nice people. And anybody that kind of reached out and were excited about the movie or wanted to see it, you know, they've been, they've been really good about giving people a chance to kind of figure out what it is a little ahead of time. So mm. we, we've been, we've been happy to, cause it's, it, it's got, it's kind of got a surprising element to it. So it's nice to, to finally be able to reveal that after months of being on the road with this movie, start sharing it with, with people that get to kind of see what it is. All right. So Ronnie and I were talking and, and we watched the movie and thank you for that, for an advanced screening. Um, we both have a lot of thoughts. So what I want to do with Ronnie's permission is do what we talked about, Ronnie, kind of break it up into two different areas because sure. first I want to talk about the film itself as a piece of art. But this is a paranormal podcast, so then we'll get into the Bigfoot and your, your, you know, how you portrayed the Bigfoot and all that. So, but first of all, the film itself, I just wanted to say congratulations because I think it's a, a phenomenal achievement. I had such a weird reaction to this film, Bob. Um, I've never really had this, I don't think, where I watched the film and I admit to this, I wanted it to be something. I thought it was going to be something and it wasn't what I thought. And I literally rewatched it and fell in love with it. I fell in love with it on the second viewing. I think it's a towering achievement. I think it's bold, gutsy. And I think I figured it out. <laughs> I think I figured out what you were going for. But you tell me what you're going for instead of me bloviating about what I think you were doing. But I well, think, I think what you're doing is brilliant. Well, I think the fun of the movie is that there's some mysteries that are left for the audience. My favorite movies are ones that don't force the audience into a passive role. So if you watched it again and kind of discovered you know, when the, the first time you see the movie, you come to it with a lot of preconceived notions because of that title yep. and because film history has taught us that that title comes with some baggage. But the movie is something different than that. So either discovering at that time or if it took you another viewing to kind of penetrate some of the other layers of what was there, um, you know, what it means to me is kind of not as important as what it means to you. So we can talk about that. I can answer some of 
All right. You know, whatever your thought, because people are going to be able to have seen this right around the time that this comes out, we can dig deep and I'll answer whatever whatever questions besides kind of a couple maybe of the big mysteries yeah, that, kind of, it's, that are left for the audience. I can do without spoiler alerts. I, I know I can. So Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think it's okay for to spoil some stuff. I don't mind. All right. Because okay. well, honestly, the spoilers aren't really what the movie's about anyhow. Right, and I think that's what... So once I got over the whole... Because I went into it, we found out about it, of course, as I said, doing our paranormal podcast. So right. we were... Our producer, Dave, how it all started, Bob, is he goes... Where's the definitive Bigfoot movie? Like since Boggy <laughs> Creek, there's been no, no one's taken it seriously, mm-hmm. and no one's done a Bigfoot film, and it's a great topic. Mm. And sure enough, we find your trailer. We stumble upon your trailer. Well, actually, there is a Bigfoot movie coming out. So <laughs> I had that kind of going into it, like, oh, good, someone's going to really do a Bigfoot movie. So that's why when I say the first time watching it, I I wanted it to be something that it wasn't, and. I love so much more in a way what you did. And here's here's my take on it is that it's a it's an examination of a life. It's a character study and it's breaking down the mythology of the American hero. Almost like Unforgiven, you know, the what Clint Eastwood did with gunfighting mm-hmm. like when the music's gone and the yeah. yeah, he killed him it's like what happens to this man? Yeah, you strip away the 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 things that make it mythic or the things that make it uh, exploitive or that make it uh, pulpy. And then you just look at what it looks like when a man kills someone. And I thought a really extreme example of that is Hitler. And, and because that's the one person that everybody kind of universally, unless I guess nowadays there's some people that don't have this opinion, but universally people say that they would, they would kill Hitler. Yeah. Go yes. back in and time he, and take him out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he was a monster. And, and like it says in the movie, he had it coming. But if you're, a, if you're a down deep in your heart, a nonviolent person, and you're a good human being, you care about people. When you take a life, it doesn't matter who that life is. It's going to have a repercussion. It's going to have an echo. And the fact that he's never able to communicate that to anybody, he's never able to share that with anybody, there's this weight that came with it and he exchanged so much in that killing. So he has no qualms about the notion that he killed Hitler. He has more qualms with the notion that he took a person's life and that Mm, that mm. didn't have an effect on, on history. Something else I noticed to drive that point home, I think of the deconstruction of, of that type of thing is the scenes with the Bigfoot and Hitler are super stylized and, and awesome and huge and big and then when it goes back to him in the town, it moves like a Zen meditative <laughs> Buddhist mm. film, you know, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And you, right. I mean, that was obviously purposeful. Yeah. It's very, it's like, uh, I see him kind of as like a Kurosawa samurai. Oh my so God. Oh, one of my favorite directors. Yes. Yeah. So when he's in his town, it, 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 there's a lot of wide shots of him just as a lonely figure. And I see him as it, he was once kind of like a samurai and now he's not really needed anymore and he's lost all his connection to all the things that meant something to him and here he is in this small town in massachusetts and he just has has nothing but a a bar room and and he's estranged from his brother i mean they have a connection but it's not very meaningful and he's he's longing for something more but we don't know quite what that is and it takes literally something as mythic and gigantic as bringing Bigfoot into the picture for him to have these huh. much more small, meaningful uh, connections reemerge. And where do you, where did you come from? <laughs> I mean, I know what it takes to get a movie made. I've been part of that process. Um, 
and and you've just made this exquisite movie um, that at times looks like it's on a Tarantino budget. I know it probably wasn't, although I shouldn't assume that. I don't know your personal story, but you know, you're you're from Massachusetts, I take it. Yeah, I'm from Massachusetts. My dad was a a long road truck driver, and my mom's a physical therapist assistant. And I wanted to become a journalist. I in in college, I was studying journalism at UMass, and all through high school, I made short films and and wrote screenplays that were way too long and, and no one would ever <laughs> want to make them. But that was what I loved to do. I just loved to write. Yeah. And uh, when I was writing this script, some things had happened in my life, but my wife had just lost a, a good friend to an overdose and my brother had been in a terrible car accident. And I had just begun writing this story and it changed the whole shape of what I was writing. And I started thinking about these common enemies that we have. If we have these two villains in the movie of Hitler who is real and he's a monster and then you have Bigfoot and he's innocent and he's mythic and he's a monster I thought well what's the common enemy to all of us and it's these these things that we feel loss and fear and regret and I was really feeling them at that moment so they were mm. infecting the the script and it became about an older man looking backwards um, spread the two timelines apart and told told the story of of uh, the things that he had lost because that's I, I didn't have an answer for those things. And even in the movie, I'm not sure there's an answer for all those things, but it was what I needed to put down to kind of get through some of those feelings. And I didn't, I didn't know that it would ever really get to be a movie either. I mean, that's, it's an impossible thing to make a film like this, a period piece and the, the, the Nazi, you know, uh, the costuming, the wardrobe, the watch, the, swastika watch oh, I mean, yeah. you really you really this is a great achievement bob it really is how did you pull that off like just uh, just the I, you know i know what that costs <laughs> you know what i mean, it, I mean it, took, it took over 12 years and i, and I have a wow. background of, in illustration so i did hundreds of storyboards and uh conceptual designs and we just piece by piece we would bring this movie to people in hopes that they might respond to it and about 19 people would say no and then there'd be one that would say yes and it was always the most special person it was the person that meant the most to us and wow. so it took a lot of time but after a while this this group of people gathered around it and they be, kind of became a human shield for it they they wouldn't let it get changed and they were so good at their jobs that nobody could really argue that that this thing was worth trying to do this way so i mean some of my all-time heroes came together for this movie john sales and yep. lucky mckee and douglas trumbull and richard urisich and sam elliott i mean it was a really unbelievable crew but it just took time time and pressure just just kept working working at it and again just with never really knowing that it would actually happen you just right kind of keep grinding away at it and in the meantime i landscaped for seven years and wow. and uh worked for some newspapers and um yeah, and I produced uh, a film that came to Massachusetts uh, for Lucky McKee because uh, I had a connection to film, and okay. that kind of really pulled me back into to working in film in a in a in a more substantial way. How, talk about working with uh, talk about getting and then working with Sam Elliott, and and mm. then you had no way of knowing at the time. I'm sure that he's you know, the, the timing. The, right? the, yeah, yeah. The, he was about to explode. No, no, there was. I mean. I had an enormous amount of respect for Sam and I felt that he could be really special in this film and our casting director, Kelly Roy and myself had discussed a small handful of people that we thought could work for this. But when Sam's name got mentioned and John sales got really excited about him potentially being in this, uh, we sent it to his reps 
they really liked it and they sent it to Sam and he called me like a day later. It was the day before Thanksgiving in 2016. Holy and uh, we had a long conversation about an hour just talking about what the movie meant and uh, kind of the underlying themes of what was what it was really about. Hmm. And he said that it reminded him of his father and it uh, wow. reminded him of a decency that he felt is maybe fading a little bit. And wow. he, he felt very much that the movie could make a statement, but none of us would be preaching. And he said, I'll see you in Massachusetts at the end of that call. Man. Did he go, Bob, why you got to curse so much? <laughs> why you, why you uh, curse so much, Robert? <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's get into the Bigfoot itself. Yeah. Sure. And and I know Ronnie has some questions. I, I, I guess I would I would say um, that portrayal, you know, I, how did I do, by the way, of, of kind of coming up with the themes? I was I was pretty close, right? You're, that's that's exactly. I mean, it's kind it's, of like um, uh, Grendel or mm-hmm. the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. It's trying to be kind of a, a, a new American mythic, the kind of thing that a hundred years from now. I mean, it sounds really lofty. That's a big, big goal. That's shooting. That's shooting yes. a little too high. And and I and but when you're writing it, it, you don't have a budget and you don't have any restraints, and you can take your time. And the goal was kind of to to write like a a, a Charles dickens type story or a mark twain type story and just make it about this guy who had done these two incredible things but in the way that a john steinbeck book might study a character and i thought that that there was something experimental and fun to that to me and i i I loved writing this story and it, it was just the themes kind of started to emerge from that so it was it was the intention and then it came out in the end um you know, being the thing that I wanted to be. And that's, that's why I think the team gathered around and and sought to protect it because it is so weird. And it definitely, there's an impulse to make it more violent or more exploitive or more Mm. uh, tongue in cheek or more jokey. And I think that those movies exist in cinema. You can go find them and they're fun and you don't need me to, to just ape on those movies. And I, this one, comes much more from a, a literary tradition and then also from some of my cinematic heroes who are Hal Ashby and Robert Altman. Yeah. And, uh, and there's gotta be room for both. I, I hope. Oh, there is. And, and you, and you nailed that line perfectly, I think. Um, which brings me to the Bigfoot because you, that was to that end, to that marriage that you're talking about of, of realism and, and, and more grounded approach comes the betrayal of the Bigfoot. And that was clearly, obviously, a conscious decision. Everything you did in this film was a conscious decision. You can tell it's so well thought out. And and you play the Bigfoot as not this huge monster that we think about. You played it almost more like a banshee, like a like an ape, you know, like a sickly uh, demon almost. Sure. Uh, talk about that and why you chose that. Um, when I... When I was writing it, I was thinking very much of, uh, of I don't know if you've ever read Grendel uh, by John Gardner, but it's, it's the story of Beowulf, but it's told mm. from the perspective of the monster. Um, and he keeps getting attacked by this man, and he's lonely, and he's tortured, and he's huh. miserable, and he's, he's violent. Right. Um, and it, it jumps into his head, and you spend a lot of time with this monster. So I was I was just thinking about the Bigfoot a lot, but I saw it as a very innocent creature. I saw it as um, something that's kind of a mirror to us, and certainly a mirror to the hero. He's he's one of a kind. He's he's lonely. 
He's singular. He doesn't feel like he has much of a place in the world anymore. I thought that the hero might, the Bigfoot just felt like a right mirror to this kind of hero because there's just something about it that's a little unexplored. Like you said, in, in American cinema, it's, it's never been treated with any, I mean, sure, I, there, there have been movies that made that tried to make a Bigfoot movie, but I was trying to make it more part of our mythic narrative. And so I thought, well, we can't, it, it, maybe it shouldn't be this big, giant, lumbering thing. It should be more the size of a man. There's no rules on that. Um, and I like the idea of it being like 200 years old. Maybe it lives mm. a lot longer than we do. So it's, mm. it's, it's experienced a lot of American history. Um, just right at the edges and it's watched us fight each other and it's, it's come close to a couple humans, uh, maybe a trapper and maybe a native American and maybe befriended them. Um, and then watched them kill each other and came to understand that, that human beings are kind of dangerous and that we don't necessarily understand ourselves. Wow. And it's nose is sheared off. Cause I picture maybe when it was 40, it got in a fight with a bobcat. It was just eating berries and a bobcat, jumped it and it, it got its nose sheared off. Wow. Um, I pictured it's now 200 years old and, and it has cataracts and it can barely see, but it's so good at kind of working this figure eight up into Canada and down into the United States that um, uh, it doesn't need all of its senses, but that weakens it in its fight with the, the hero. So there was, there was a lot of thought that's not in the movie at all about the Bigfoot. And I, I really, uh, felt a lot of empathy for that creature. And uh, again, with this theme of monsters, I wanted Hitler to be a very real monster who deserved it. And I wanted Bigfoot to be a monster that, that really kind of doesn't deserve it. Mm. Now, Bob, growing up, I'm, I'm sure that you were, as all of us, you know, dinosaurs and monsters into that. And growing up in Massachusetts, what did you have any type of Bigfoot experience yourself growing up? We, we touched upon a little bit about that, but uh, anything the that only, really personally brought you to this, um, this world? I mean, what brought me to Bigfoot was kind of the, when I was in kindergarten, our, we had a little library at uh, what was called the Montague Center School, and we'd have silent reading, and they happened to have these uh, little thin books that were all of the universal movie monsters and they were just black and white stills and I hadn't seen any of those movies but I would take them out every day and just stare at the creature from the Black Lagoon and Dracula and mm -hmm. Frankenstein's monster and uh, Wolfman and, and just I was fascinated with them and I think that when it came time to make this movie I was just thinking what's a, what's a monster that's every bit as iconic as a universal movie monster, but they never used it. And it's sure. the Bigfoot. That's kind of the last one that they didn't do. Um, and so that was, that was one of the early thoughts going all the way back to childhood. But, you know, I think you were asking if I ever had any kind of encounters of my own. Um, yeah. The only thing I can think of is my friend Dan and I were taking a walk deep in the woods once. Uh, you know, this is pretty rural Massachusetts out here, so you can go for quite a while. And we were way out there and, and we were just talking and then all of a sudden we heard a thumping and it wasn't terribly far away from us. And it was so heavy, you could actually feel the ground move. And it got faster and faster and it was like a drum beat on the ground, but it was clearly an animal or a creature, a moose, a bear, I don't know what, but we didn't stick around and we ran and you could hear the, the underbrush getting moved by it as it was coming toward us and we ran as fast as we could and whatever it was 
uh, gave up because it didn't it didn't pursue us much further. But we ran all the way home, and I remember telling my parents what happened, and you know everybody would assume that that's a bear, but that's the closest. But my friend and I for for years we always joked that it was probably Bigfoot. Um, and who knows? Maddie, <laughs> I don't what, have any evidence that it wasn't. Maddie, was that? What does that story sound just like? Bob, it sounds exactly like my partner's Ron, partner Ronnie's experience as a kid in Monsterland. Um, uh, you know, he had a almost wow. word for word exact same experience. Same wow. thing where you're kind of going. There had to be a bear, a moose, or something, but it, you couldn't see anything, but you could feel that vibration coming through the soles of your feet exactly what i felt in monsterland and the exact sign of kind yeah, of it felt like somebody put a subwoofer on the ground yes. 10 feet away it, yes it was just like that and and it wasn't making the it wasn't making the that a horse or a moose might make it was it was a it felt very much like a repetitive two-step type thing that was fast and yes and frenzied and and that always stuck with me but i wow you know, I, I've always assumed it's a bear, and, and there's not many Bigfoot sightings around here. I've never had any locals say, not that I know of. My friend, my friend John, who's a, a detective at UMass, he was camping one night. He's he's a he, he actually goes down to Texas and and uh, d- different places. Maybe not Texas. I can't remember where he went, but he goes on excursions looking for Bigfoot with some of the like the people who really track Bigfoot and try to find out is it out there. Mm. Um, and he said he was camping one night and he was hearing the strangest howls as loud as could be and terrifying. He was way out in the woods and then these loud, loud, uh, branches smashing against trees as if to scare him or I, I don't know what, but he said he's never heard of an animal doing that. He said it wasn't a human. And he said it was definitely something that could pick up like a tree branch and use it like a baseball bat against a tree just Ooh. to make as much noise as possible. So that scared him pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously deep dive into all that on this show. The Native American, uh, our elders, our forebearers, call them the forest people. I mean, there's just a long, long history of something or someone in the woods um, in America and elsewhere uh, that people just can't explain. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of these people are I, – I tend to try to take most people – uh, at their word. And a lot of these people are credible and they saw something and, and some of them say they've seen specifically something that, that looks completely different than what we, mm-hmm. what we understand. I mean, it, for me, it's just, it's just such a hard concept to wrap my head around that, that there's just no way anybody has, uh, I guess it would just have to be the rarest thing in the world. And that kind of goes back to this, to this story where I made it the last of its kind. That's why there's the the in the opening title. He's ah, he's, right. he's it. And when you kill that thing, he's going to be extinct. Wow. And I thought that that would bring a certain uh, level of pathos to to asking this guy to go kill this thing that he knows is only sick. It's carrying a plague, and it it's something that he caught from another animal or from a ma- you know a rat or a bird or who knows what. But because he's so unique of a creature, it mutated in him. And now it's it's uh, creating it, it, it's this nightmare plague. Um, so asking this hero to go kill this thing would be a, a torturous decision if you have any kind of conscience. Well, Bob, um, we've kept you long enough. I think again, the movie's a towering achievement. I think it's bold. I think it's gutsy. You know, in in the in the arts and the acting world, I think people use the word brave a little too much, but <laughs> I think it was a brave attempt for you, and it, and it, and it worked. And it was better than I thought. It was different than I thought. It's one of those sweet experiences where 
I wanted it to be one thing. It wasn't. And I got over that and enjoyed it on another level. And it's better than I thought because you do deal with those questions. You, you don't just make a scary Bigfoot movie. You make a movie about being human and about the toll that these things take. And you analyze, you ask those questions. And it's something that we don't talk about enough in the whole Bigfoot world is like, all right, if we do get one, what do we do with it? <laughs> I think that's a great, that's yeah. a great question is, is, is how do you respectfully deal with some, you know, a cryptid like this? How would you deal with it? If you really did come across it, what is the most human decent? Cause it, you, if it slips through your fingers, it's gone forever, but you also can't just shoot it. You can't, right. you, you can't trap it and put it in a, a lab and study it. And that's probably exactly what would happen. And, and that's why in this movie, again, a spoiler, um, he goes to burn the big face says, they're not going to have your body old man. And yes. It's respectful. It's, it's, it's him seeing it. I think this hero sees every being he sees their, uh, their spirit or their goodness or their yeah, decency, soul. Yeah. What, what, yeah, their soul. And, yeah. and he knows that he's, he happens to be incredibly skilled at taking those things from people. And that's quite a weight to bear when you're, when you're doing that in the service of others so that everybody else can live and keep going. The other aspect we should bring up, Bob, before we let you go, too, is that sure. we have, is that there's an entire contingent, and I don't know how aware of this you may be, and Ronnie and I, through the process of working on this stuff, have kind of actually drifted over into this camp, and that is that the Bigfoot is not just necessarily a flesh and blood creature, but possibly uh, from either the ability to shift dimensions um, mm-hmm. or maybe even just to cloak, like one of our guests talked about the first person who ever saw a chameleon and and a chameleon disappearing against a tree. You know, you'd be like, Oh my God, that's supernatural. And we just had a witness, local witness, very credible say that he saw a Bigfoot in and around the Monsterland area, Lemonster state forest. And it, and it disappeared in front of him like predator. Wow. It just kind of phased Dematerialized. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we're never going to catch one of these things because of something like that. Either it's paranormal or at least has abilities that we don't understand. It's wild. Yeah. No, I love thinking about stuff like that. I mean, that's the fun of, of writing these kind of stories. And that's also the fun of, of doing what you guys do because you're trying to shine a light on the, on the paranormal and the, and the strange and things that people are truly believe that they've encountered in a plethora of ways. And I think that that, speaks to something in us this this search for the other and i think that that's fascinating bob where can we see the movie where can everyone find the movie and watch this on uh here in the united states on february 8th it'll be in select theaters around the country it'll also be on streaming and vod pretty much every service that you you know of to to stream a movie will will have it um and the filmmakers, you know, it was, it was very much made to be seen on a big screen. So if you, if you can't get out of your house or there's a terrible snowstorm or something, obviously stay safe and, and get cozy and watch the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. But if you can go to a theater, that's, that's how it was built and designed to be seen. And, and, uh, we just, we hope that it, it's a pleasant and unexpected surprise for people. Well, it was for me, Bob. Congratulations again. It's getting great reviews. 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. Congratulations. It's exactly the type of film, the type of visionary director, the type of stuff I want to work on. I don't know if I told you this, but oh I'm an actor, Bob. So, uh, yeah. Sweet baby Jesus. This guy's trying to get a job right now. <laughs> <I'm just> gonna, <laughs> who was it? Casting director Look, Kelly Roy, you say? It's Kelly Roy. He's doing a great job. Okay. Oh, I'm going to send you my IMDb link in my demo. Please don't hey, encourage him. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you do that. And then if you ever go monster hunting, you call my uh, done, friend John done, and I, and, done. I, and, and I'll, I'll come be on a show where you actually go in the woods or would, something. Would you come on with us? Done. That'd be awesome. Done and done. If you ever do that this summer, I'll come do we it. Will. Like awesome. that, we will. Awesome. Because I'm not we'll far from you guys. I'm only All an right. hour or so away. And our good friends, uh, Jonathan Wilk and Dave McCullough are from Squatchachusetts, which is out in your neck of the woods in Springfield area. So ah, okay. we'll that's, the, uh, that's the local chapter of the BFRO, the Bigfoot Research Organization. We've gone out squatching with them. We're going to do it again this summer definitely so we will well, see I, you. I have a friend who uh I'll, I'll tag along and i'll be the i'll be the uh scully of the group and you'll have a molder there so all it. right oh. if i play a cop in your next movie you're coming on a bigfoot hunt with us <laughs> okay sounds good <laughs> all right, Bob. congratulations thank you, again brother thank all you right, bob thanks, thank you ron have a great great night guys you too thank thanks you. so much see ya uh, another f***ing pickup god damn oh shit we're recording Want to go deeper into the mystery? Get the book Monsterland, Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs by Ronnie LeBlanc. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere fine books are sold. There you have it. What a great interview. Um, and Ronnie, I could see you. You're, 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 not that you didn't like it. You liked it, but again, you were just expecting, I think, yeah. really a big Bigfoot movie in a way. Yes, and hearing him kind of lay out his whole the, the process, the character, the story, mm -hmm. I have a greater appreciation for it now. You want to see really it do. again, don't I you? I do, I do. All right, I'll ask him when I'm on set. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bobby, Bobby, uh, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> Uncle Maddie's got a question for you. Listen. Bobby C. <laughs> Ronnie wants to see the movie again. Can we get him a screening, babe? Let's go. Let's fly him in. Let's fly him in. Oh, my goodness. Uh, sir, you're playing a cop. You have two lines. Could you get out of the director's chair, please? <laughs> I literally, and just in case you think I'm uh, being funny, I literally sent him my resume, my demo reel, and my IMDb page right after the interview. But why wouldn't I? Absolutely, brother. I'll have the last <laughs> laugh when I'm in his fucking movie, yeah. Ronnie. <laughs> Oh, so awesome. <laughs> God, I love this. Okay, let's. Uh, why don't we get serious and open a Monsterland case file? You are listening to the Monsterland podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. Now, let's open another Monsterland case file. Hey, so recently there was a story that's getting picked up everywhere. Uh, USA Today brought it out. A three-year-old boy who was missing for days in North Carolina resurfaces after hundreds of people looking for him. And he says that he was uh, kept alive by a friendly bear. Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> he's three. A lot of speculation out there that this bear was a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch that actually helped him. They found him uh, days later calling out for his mom, caught up in some, like, picker bushes and thorns and explained to officers and family, uh, which was shared on a Facebook post, that he was taken care of by this friendly bear. He had oh no water and no food for days. They're uh, okay. blown away how he survived. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so one of three things happened, right? Uh, one of four things, I guess. One is that nothing happened and he got lucky and he just happened to survive. And, he, and, yeah. he, and there's no animal, no bear, no nothing involved. Okay. Just, just his imagination. Mm -hmm. Two... There literally was some sort of animal, like a bear, that cared for him and took him in. Yeah. Well, three, it was a Sasquatch, right? Mm-hmm. Four, it was a human. And the kid, in a 
big coat or maybe a man who lives on the woods sure. or something. I can't think of any other possibilities. Can you? No. That that seems to be the four, right? Right. So, <clears throat> do we know if this was in an area, a squatchy area at all, or anything like that? North Carolina is definitely squatchy. squatchy. Yeah, yeah, but where he was, do we do we uh, know he was in particularly um, or Newell, North Carolina, okay. which is about I think they said a. Um, Trying to think of the the main city that's near there, but um, he was playing with a couple of kids, grandmother's house, and uh, just disappeared. The boy definitely said it was a bear. Um, the kid's quote was, "He hung out with a bear for two days." Now I, I don't know. I've never known such a thing to happen. Bears don't do that," said a bear researcher at the University of Montana. So now we have an expert saying. Uh, they don't do that. Wild bears aren't friends with people. I don't want to say he's not telling the truth, but obviously he thinks he's seen things and maybe he's got a teddy bear at home. But I've seen no evidence anything like that has ever happened. I wonder if there's a difference with a child. Could a could a bear somehow think it was his cub and and possibly nurture I mean, it? You, you know, you, you've seen you know there's videos of like a chicken with a baby kitten underneath it, and you know like yeah, right, right, right. You never know. Uh, but one thing that's very interesting. Um, so the FBI was looking for him along with other local departments of volunteers. They were looking for him during heavy rain and temperatures in the 20s with strong winds, and they found him with a few scrapes, and that's it, dude. He was kept. Safe and the the uh, the aunt was saying she had posted a Bible verse from Matthew eighteen, which says he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. So they really believe that God protected this kid, Casey. Holy shit! And uh, there's similar stories like this. I was trying to do some digging prior to yeah our episode just precedent to kind of say this. you know were there other cases like this before where. You know, um, David Polites in his Missing 411 books talks a lot about the kids that go disappearing and, you know, either with their um, younger kids, blonde hair, blue eyes, and look at this kid. (gasps) Same look. Disappeared. Holy crap. So I'm going to do a little bit more digging on this, but uh, it's a really crazy story, and a lot of people are kind of going with the theory of, this was a Bigfoot, the Sasquatch. This doesn't make sense. You know, he could be imagining things, but you're out there. How else would he survive a three-year-old for days? Well, that's why I brought up the four possibilities because let's look at this like not the uh, kind of nutty believers that we are. In a sense, <clears throat> it, let's just say for sake of argument, let's just put our skepticism on the table a little bit. Mm-hmm. And let's just assume that there's the possibility that Bigfoots exist, which you and I believe in. I'm, sure. I'm talking to the general public. Yeah. You know, it's kind of one of those things like, what is the more unbelievable scenario mm. that, uh, what's, what's, what's more likely that a quasi human intelligent being who lives in the woods would care for a child or that a wild black bear would take care of, or brown bear would take care of a child. Right. To me, it's almost like more likely that a, a quasi-intelligent bipedal creature would would nurture a child more than a bear, right? Because right? most most animals, predators, they're going to go after the young ones and the weak ones for right. food, right? When you have a, right. a, a greater amount of you know like deer or what have you, so right. here's a child. 
again, I mean, I just, I have a hard time believing that a bear would just keep this thing alive. Yeah. <laughs> alive. And, and like care for it. That, yes. And so, and then the least likely scenario in a sense is that the kid got lucky and right. somehow was sheltered and protected and just lived. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. that's almost the least likely scenario that it was and, nothing. And what's interesting is, uh, again, kind of referencing David Polites, uh, some of his research, he's found that some of these kids um, that they couldn't really talk, uh, explain, or they couldn't remember mm. what happened to them, or they're gone mm. for a couple of days, and they, you know, they search for say a particular person in this area, and then days later they show up in that same area that they combed. And so that's interesting uh, too. Yeah, where like people, where, where they, yeah, where do yeah, they go yeah. and then kind of come back? Ronnie, uh, how about precedent not with children, but precedent with humans and Bigfoots? And um, any stories that come to mind where it was like not a antagonistic thing, like it's always portrayed, whereas more like I know that one story about the guy who was like quote unquote kidnapped by them and he gave him right. tobacco. What was right. that guy's name? Albert Osman. Albert yeah. Osman. Yes. Yeah. So that's an example of maybe being cared for by Bigfoot in a way, even though like he described it as being taken, but they didn't right. harm him. No. Grabbed him in the sleeping bag and pulled him along. And he, yep. and he traded things with them. Yeah. Any other stories of like where it's an, a, a, they were cared for or rescued by Bigfoot that you can think of? I'm trying to pull up some stuff in the, in the, my mind, but um, there's definitely been some stories of, uh, you know, kids are playing and, Sasquatch are always curious about seeing kids and hearing them. And so I can almost imagine this kid playing with his friends in the backyard and whether he wandered off or, or this yeah. thing grabbed him. And oh, Right. Well, it says uh, he disappeared from the garden of his grandmother's home where he had been playing with two other children. A large search and rescue operation ensued. The boy was eventually found in the woods just after 9 p.m. Thursday, about a quarter mile away, cold and wet, they heard him calling out for his mother when they found him. My God. He said he was kept company by a bear, and the bear looked after him, quote, unquote. Called the bear his friend. His friend. See, that's... Isn't that fascinating? And he's Great not story, old enough Ronnie. to talk. You know, like, imagine if he was a little bit... Or maybe he can a little bit, but, uh, you know, like, a five-year-old, six-year-old could, could definitely differentiate, this was a bear or this was a Bigfoot right. type thing. Right, right. Well, unbelievable story. Uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll comb through the monster land as we do. When we open a case file, we try to find something at least closely analogous that's happened right here in Monsterland. Um, certainly not the original story of a guy disappearing in his car on the side of the road. That doesn't fit into this. You know, <laughs> unless they're being, unless that guy is still being cared for by a family. Right. Foot, we don't Getting know. Nursed. Um, all right. Let's, uh, how about this? Let's take a little break and we'll do everybody's Favorite segment on the show, Producer Dave's Monster Media, oh, which yeah. we're going to hijack. All right. I will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take a minute to talk about the Boston Podcast Network with Ronnie here. Uh, just a few years ago, Ronnie, podcasting was on the fringe of the media world. We all know that. Mm. Now, there are more than half a million active podcasts. We're on the verge of an information revolution. Uh, working with pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network allows you and your business to be part of it. Pod 617 can produce your show soup to nuts with their professional producers, dynamic on-air hosts like us. Mm-hmm. 
radio quality equipment that you can see right here. They produce my show and I couldn't be happier. Right, Ronnie? Oh, the best. These people are the best. Working with the Boston Podcast Network means becoming part of a community, allowing you to share in our success as you become part of a professionally marketed platform. Contact Pod 617 to start planning. In the meantime, listen, learn, and binge. Whether you're into music, sports, comedy, business, politics, or the unexplained, you'll find something here for you. Visit pod617.com in pod we trust you are listening to the monsterland podcast with ronnie leblanc and maddie blake i'm scared to close my eyes i'm coming apart now it's time for monster media this edition of monster media brought to us by the wonderful film the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot and in honor of that film and our guest bob kriskowski the director uh, we are going to walk down Hollywood Boulevard, Ronnie, mm. you and I. We're going to walk down the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Cool. We're going to go around that Scientology Center. And walk. <laughs> All right, you get the point. We decided to do a little uh, retrospective here. And Dave, just because we've, pr- we've stolen your segment doesn't mean you can't chime in with your thoughts. What we're going to do... Oh, I'll chime. I will I chime. I bet you will chime. <laughs> we're going to give a top three, uh, Ronnie, you and I, top three films of all time top three paranormal films of all time but here's how here are the rules mm. we've got to do it by category so <clears throat> we're going to do one film in each category each to get a top three okay so one film must have ufos or aliens okay your second film must have paranormal ghosts anything like that and your third has to have crypto or monsters now this could be serious comedy yeah, absolutely anything. it's your it's not best it's your favorite it's okay. your top okay. th- your top three but but one of each category okay okay mm-hmm. so why don't we start with uh why don't we start with monsters okay give me your number one film your favorite of again not monsters the best. yeah it could be monsters cryptos you know a, a bigfoot movie uh even though we've been hard-pressed to find them i actually i, I know it's kind of it's a comic book but i loved hellboy <laughs> because oh. it brought in the kind of the paranormal aspect of it and okay, it was just yeah. very cool um L- ron livingston is that the yes dude's name? ron livingston <laughs> is our guy from the uh hitler and bigfoot movie uh well, <laughs> ron you. it is ron ron uh, perlman perlman yes ron, ron perlman's yes. hellboy right yep yep so tell me more about hellboy i never watched based on a comic book based on a comic book but it's almost this uh they discover Hellboy in World War II, and he's a demon. And they basically create this, almost like this X-Files kind of group that will then go, if there's a something like a portal kind of opens up, mm. they go and handle that. And they have different, almost like little superheroes, but kind of mutant, kind of... Hellboy, eh? Boy, I need some ID, love. Are you serious? They warned us that something was coming. If there is ever an end in this forever war, it will be because of you and your strong right hand. Oh, that's, um, you know whose voice that is? I'm on your side! That's Ian McShane, right? I recognize his voice. All right, I'll check it out, Ronnie. Good call, man. Um, all right, I'll go with, for my number one, there he is. Is, is that Ian? Yeah, that was him. From, uh, from Deadwood. Deadwood, yeah. Al Swearingen. 
You fucking motherfucker. <laughs> I'm the commander of the famous Hawkeye. The laziest, most shit-faced, whoremongering cocksucker to ever piss my money away. Did I ever tell you that story about him? No. So I was, you know, it was my New York City years, and I was, I used to take the Metro North every day when I was, you know, for those all those years into the city. And I would, my days were like this. I, I had the auditions or the bookings lined up, but I would always start the day by dropping by my agent's office, which is right outside of Grand Central, 10 East 44th, Buckwald. And so I was watching on my laptop uh, Deadwood. I was a late comer to it. It was like, mm. you know, years after it had been released, I had the DVDs and I was watching it on my laptop and I was so into that show and I'm like, oh my God. And, and Ian McShane is Al Swearing. And like, oh my God. And I just watched an episode where like he like stabbed a guy or whatever. I was like, I'm out of fuck out of And I'm just like blown away and I close my laptop and I walk down the street to Buckwall, and I get in the elevator, and the elevator door shut, and who's on the elevator with me? No way. Ian McShane. No way. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Just, and I literally did. I became like starstruck. Baby. I was like, I just munching you. I'm just munching you. <laughs> and he knew I was there as a client. He wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't like I'm some fan off the street, you know. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. He's like a dignified Brit, you know. And <laughs> I just watched him gut a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> very funny. Um, Monsters, my monster movie. I'm gonna go with or crypto. I'm gonna go with um, easily my favorite in this in this category. I'm going with the Mothman. Ooh yeah, the Mothman prophecies. Yes, great movie. Uh, based great on movie. Richard Keel's book. Um, John Keel. Yeah. John Keel. Yep. Based on John Keel's book. Uh, I mean, I think that movie is really well executed. It freaked me the f yes. out. It's yeah. not perfect, but Gear's awesome in it. Um, Book's even better. I think it's an underrated, also, like, you know, we always do our lists every Halloween of spooky movies. Mm. You shut the lights off with someone who's never seen Mothman. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. And you have them watch that movie, they will, every time the phone rings, they're going <laughs> to shit themselves, right? So I'm going to go Mothman. I think it's really well executed, and, yeah. and it might drive people to Keel's book, which I read a what, long time ago. It was one of my first kind of paranormal books I ever read, actually. And I think it's... Uh, It'd be a good gateway into into his real research and real work. Absolutely, and yeah. uh, uh, who was our guest? Was it Weatherly talking about that? Who was inspired yeah. by him? Yeah, John Keel, David Weatherly. Yes, and and <laughs> Weatherly was saying David Weatherly was saying um, the movie doesn't even come close to scratching the surface of it. Really, yeah. the high strangest yeah. around his research. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Mothman, and I've got a couple honorable mentions to the. I'm going to put the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot right in my right in my new favorites now in that wow. category definitely. Um, because I think it's a different, mm. he, it's a different take. We never expected it to go in that direction. The whole ramification, like I said in the interview, it's like it's like the Unforgiven Sasquatch edition. You know, like right. what happens to the gunfighter? You know, what emotionally happens when you kill a creature? No one ever thinks about that mm. and talks about that. So I love that aspect of it. And then what a, what happens to a man when he's a warrior or whatever? I, I think it was great. Um, you know what's an underrated kind of monster? Are those creatures? Do you ever see the movie The Descent with the, the hot descent. chicks that go splunking? By the way, can we say that as a drop when I say hot chicks go splunking? Because that sounds like <laughs> something completely different. <laughs> it's not uh, I feel like it's, spelunking. What is it? Spelunking. Splunking. Splunking. When you when you go caving. Wait a minute. What were they doing? <laughs> They're going down a hole. I think it's called splunking. Oh my god. Is it pronounced what? splunking? I, I don't know. Spelunking. 
Spelunking. Spell spelunking. Okay. All right. Well, they were spelunking. Both of you spelunk out the hell out of here. <laughs> and they're in the caves, and they, they have these, like, I vaguely humanoid remember that, yeah. monsters. That movie's terrifying, too. So I always think of that when I think of that. All right, let's go on to the next category, Ronald. Um, let's go straight paranormal. Um, ghosts, devils, gin, mm. anything, mm. Uh, any sort of spirit creature or what, what people would define as... Uh, I, I'm, again, I'm probably not. This is like a fun one, but The Frighteners by Peter Jackson. Never saw it again. Very cool. The like, Frighteners. It's it's like a just a more comedy kind of take, but I just like the whole way that was that movie was done. It's cool. What was the basic plot line? Uh, Michael J. Fox. What is in it? I think one of the funniest bloopers that um, that happened in the frighteners and it happened a couple of times was when um, was when Michael forgot what film he was in we were doing this scene with uh, with uh, the judge and and I was supposed to call out to him and I just kept saying doc from from back to the future it was like some weird out of body thing yeah, okay. little cook in the Pony Express huh doc whoa I called him doc it's fucking back <laughs> just go Dah! and plays almost like this how'd i miss this? this guy that you know kind of goes in and, and he's befriended some ghosts and they just go and like shake down different houses and have them oh come in God. haunted oh your house is haunted i'm going to come in and help you get rid of these ghosts and he's kind of working with these with what the year? ghosts. <laughs> what year is that uh, uh 96? 96 wow yeah. all right i'm gonna check it out i'm gonna check it out all right i'm gonna go with I mean, it's the it's the goat of, I guess you'd say spirit paranormal films. If you know, in, in that realm, I'm gonna go with The Exorcist. Mm. I mean, to me, yeah, it's the classic. it's the granddaddy. It's 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 better than you know the modern incarnations, Emily Rose, all that. I think it's better mm. than. Um, what was the what the baby Rosemary's Baby? Sure. I yep. think it's the scariest movie pound for pound ever made when you consider the time it was made but it also has these unbelievably cinematic moments my favorite moments of the film are not the sexy scary ones it's father Karras alone mm. in his apartment listening to the tapes it's him dealing with his mother the whole movie has an overwhelming pressing dread that slowly just weighs on you because you can fight a Bigfoot technically you can fight. How dare you play this? Because I'm already scared shitless just talking about it. <laughs> I was like, where the hell is that coming from? You can maybe fight an alien. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. you can't fight a demon. You can't fight a spirit. You can't fight the devil. Yeah. And there's this pressing dread. There's this... Oh, and then the mother's performance is so underrated. Everyone talks about Father Karras mm. and, and Linda Blair. But the mother in that film... David, help me with the actress's name. Um... She, if you, that, I don't know if she won the Academy Award that year, but if she didn't, she got ripped off. That entire film, she is having a nervous breakdown. She is just, uh, there we go. Ellen Burstyn, oh, of course. Yeah. She is just incredible in that movie. Oh my God. And Max von, S oh my God, what's that guy's name? Max von Saito, the, the older priest. He's awesome. But it's just the performances, the filmmaking. It's goat. To William, William Friedkin, right? Yep. Actor, yep. Um, some honorable mentions in this category: Sixth Sense. Oh yeah. Um, my favorite scene in Sixth Sense is when 
I always like for those emotional moments, as you know, Ronnie, mm. like the, the, the quieter moments. Yeah, like, those are powerful. I see dead people and that's great. It's a great movie, but my favorite moment in the movie is when at the end, and I'll, I choke up literally talking about it. Him and his mother are in the car, the little boy, and he finally admits to her what the issue was with him. And when it's all said and done, he finally admits that I see dead people by telling her that your mother has a message for you. And he tells her the message that only the mother would have known. And she breaks down crying and he cries. I mean, that is mm. as good as filmmaking gets. So, Maddie, did you yes. know the, on first viewing about Bruce Willis? Spoiler alert. I saw it with my lovely wife, Yoko, mm-hmm. when it came out in the theaters. And as I remember it, we fought on the way home about who figured it out first. <laughs> so you did figure it out during the course of the I might have just been being macho because I didn't want to admit I didn't figure it out. I really don't remember. But there I was remember. a run of great movies around that rough time period yes. where, where the movie actually became better as a whole just because of the reveal and if it surprised you. So I, I had heard about The Sixth Sense and happily hadn't heard any spoilers and just watched it, and, you know, two-thirds of the way through the movie, I'm like, it's an okay movie. It's kind of creepy, you know. And when the reveal, I, I didn't catch it. And when the reveal oh, came oh. out, and and to me, I had a friend of mine who once, I uh, hope I'm not digressing too bad. No, no. I had a friend of mine who once, after uh, Usual Suspects came out. I was going to bring yeah. that up, yeah. Right, great movie, great reveal at the end. That one I, I figured out only because someone had told me there was a trick ending, and so, mm. unfortunately, I was searching for it. But <laughs> he said to me, uh, Usual Suspects, not a great movie. I'm like, why? He was like, because the the clues were all fabricated. There's no way you could have figured out as a viewer because you were the story was being told through the Kevin Spacey character's eyes. So he was lying. Essentially, he was oh, lying. Right. Now, The Sixth Sense, because I, I got obsessed with The Sixth Sense. I watched the uh, DVD director's cut and all that. Right. They had rules. And if you go back on it, it's one of the great movies to watch on a second viewing because they don't break any rules, right? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. There's, there's a scene where Bruce Willis goes and, it, and is painfully late to, his, to an anniversary dinner with his wife. He shows up painfully late. She just grabs the check and says, happy anniversary. Yes. And walks off without looking at him because he's not, he's not there. there. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes, everything. And then he breaks the glass on the outside and she looks, but there's nobody right. there. There's right. there, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, Another one I love in this category is Let the Right One In. Uh, it's a vampire movie. I, I, my friend Tony Arkin turned it on to me, Alan Arkin's son, mm-hmm. uh, who, by the way, was at the SAG Awards uh, 48 hours ago with the cast of the Americans. They were nominated for an uh, ensemble oh, wow. SAG Award. Yeah, so That's congratulations awesome. to Tony, who listens to this podcast. Congrats, Tony. Or I'm going to make him listen to this one. Um, he turned me on to it. It's a great film, everybody. If you haven't seen Let the Right One In, don't see the American freaking remake. Mm. Uh, Let Me In, I think it's called. Don't see that one. Go see the original. I, I don't know if it's Denmark or it's, it's a Scandinavian country it was made in. Um, and it's a tale of a, of a child vampire and a friendship. She befriends a young, lonely, bullied boy. Hmm. And it is the most inventive, just touching and creepy and scary film you'll ever mm. see about that that type of thing. Love it. Let the right one in. And then my final honorable mention is a movie that came out just last year. And people, this movie is very divisive. Uh, it's called The Ghost Story with Casey Affleck and uh, Rooney Mara. Yeah, and yeah. it's such, uh, so like I'm obsessed and haunted by the passage of time. 
You know what I mean? Like just, and this movie, spoiler alert, he dies and he spends the rest of the time as a ghost and literally under a sheet, like a cliche guy standing under a sheet with two holes for eyes. And it sounds ridiculous, but he spends the rest of the movie in under that sheet, Casey Affleck, they really made him, he did it because the director wanted it to be authentic and wanted his reactions. And, wow. And he spends the rest of the movie as an observer to the life and the times that, and, it, and it's, I want to give too much away. Mm. Some people hate this movie. My partner, Nick, the aforementioned Nick, yes. hated it. I loved it. I love when directors take chances and sometimes they miss no doubt. And there are scenes that do linger too long in this film, but that was purposeful because it's about the passage of time and how on the other side of things, you might not experience time like we do. Right. And I just think it was a brilliant and fun uh, look at that. So, all right. So, so far, let's recap. Uh, Dave, what have we got so far as our tops? Yes. Ronnie has selected Hellboy in the first category mm -hmm. and the Frighteners in the second category. Mm -hmm. And Maddie, you have Mothman, of course. And, uh, the Goat, The Exorcist. I think there's a pretty strong list so far. I'd like to add The Howling. Oh, the monsters. That's, That's a good one. I just look at stuff as I was growing up that really influenced yeah. me. And I was like, oh, and that movie yes. was one of those. I was like, whoa. I got another one. Uh, honorable mention. American mm. Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. Fucking yes. funny. I mean, there's no Shaun of the Dead without American Werewolf in right. London, right? Very true. All right. Um, let's end it with UFO or Aliens, Ronnie. Uh, your choice. I got two right out of the bat. I think the top one, just out of sheer scare the shit out of you, is The Fourth Kind. Oh, that's on my honorable mentions oh list. Oh, my right God. Kind. That, that movie. movie. <sighs> intense, man. Intense. Like with the whole um, the abduction footage. scene. Yeah. Like when oh, the, the sound. Oh, my God. And the way Mila Djokovic comes on, she's like, I'm playing the part of Dr. Helen, whatever her name right, is. You right. know? Like, that scares the shit out of you because <laughs> it's very Blair Witchy. Like, what's real? What's not? Now, what I've researched about that movie when it came out, I don't remember. This is a while ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Because I went crazy going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. People did disappear in Nome, Alaska. Yes. And they found a bunch of them were like Russian immigrants, as I remember, and they were drunk, and they were trying to walk somewhere, and they like literally found their bodies. They were like uh, died of exposure. Hypothermia. Yep. Yes. Yep. But like nine bodies were never found. Mm. So... Um, and there were sightings in that area. So that's the truth. That's all That's all the truth is. Right. Everything else, oh, oh, and there was a doctor who did hypnotic regression and people said that they had been abducted. That part is true. Everything else Everything is, else is. Yeah, he went to Chapman University in Orange, California and yeah, film school. And there are people who believe in the whole fallen angel, Nephilim, right. aliens or demons thing, which I tend to mm -hmm. believe at least some of them are if, if this stuff happens. Right. <clears throat> but you know, so watch that movie with a with a grain of salt, mm. as it were. But yeah, yeah great pick. That and uh, Close Encounters, the third kind. Again, audible mention for me. One of those that <clears throat> influenced me as a kid seeing that movie. Um, That's the goat, probably. Oh yeah, that was wild. That's your favorite. Favorite. You uh, Close I Encounters, still, your number one. I still watch it like at least once a year. I just still love it. Love it. I made uh, Max watch it recently, and he loved it too. It does really hold up. Even the special yeah. effects hold up, except yeah. for like one or two little things. Special effects are really cool. Yeah. That one little floating uh, Easter egg kind of thing is not so great when it comes over the corner of that street there. That, right. That's, there's nothing they could do. Well, that's the technology they had at the time. Yeah, it was like 78, right? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. 
Um, so my number one, remember this is favorites, not sure. necessarily best. The aforementioned M. Night Shyamalan with Signs. Oh, yes. This I movie, loved Signs. I loved Signs, too. Yeah, that was great. Just hits me in all the feels. Say what you want about him as a person. <laughs> He's made mistakes. Mel Gibson is one of my favorite people that to watch on screen. That is a great movie. I would watch him hang sheetrock for two hours. He's mm. just so watchable. Um, that movie is very Hitchcockian. It's yep. got... There's a scene... I might have referenced it on this podcast before um, where he's... He the aliens have landed, and he's boarding up his house, and M Knight just shoots like a, a one shot looking back through the boards at Mel Gibson, and he goes to hammer the board, and he just drops, he just lowers the hammer and backs away, and then he and then he changes the camera position to, to the doorway hallway, and you see him backing away from the window, and you never see what's outside, and it's so powerful, it's such a great decision because it's mm. like. What does he see? And it made it so much worse that you never see what he sees. It's just a bunch of great decisions like that. The reveal when... Um, That's very Hitchcock. Right? It's like, very Hitchcock. Yeah. It, the imagination's worse than what you can see. Mm. Um, and that's one of the knocks on it at the end. You do see the alien, and people thought that was it. But it's, you, at, at a certain point, you had to yes. see it at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's like Jaws. You want to see this friggin' right. shark at some and, point. And, you know, um, Joaquin Phoenix, the reveal when he sees the alien on the TV and oh, stands yeah. up in that little yeah. closet. Like yeah. I jumped with him. Yes. Um, the whole theme of keeping faith and losing faith. Mm. It's just, it's just the performances, the kids, every performance in that movie is A lot is of great, layers in that. Except yeah. for the director himself who gives himself a cameo. That performance wasn't the best, <laughs> but I don't care because that movie is all heart and yeah. I just love it. Um, audible mentions for me in this category would be the fourth kind, Close Encounters. I consider Predator you oh, know, yes. an alien movie, and yes. it could be the greatest action movie of all time. Loved that The movie original too. Predator, yeah. and um, I always like to do kind of one newish one or one that people don't think of, like mm -hmm. a ghost story. Um, do you remember this movie, David, Under the Skin, with Scarlett Johansson? Came out a few years ago, I want to say. You had me at Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. However, I haven't seen it. I would like to. Who, by the way, you can see me with in the film Rough Night. Oh, yes. On demand now. Your own Maddie Blake is in a movie with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Hope you're listening, uh, Bob. She Director does. Bob. I'm with <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. I have two scenes. Oh, my God. I play a cop. I always play cops. I give, uh, I give her boyfriend in the movie Rough Night. Her boyfriend is going driving to Florida to rescue her from her bachelorette party. So he puts on adult diapers and drinks tons of Red Bull and just hits the road. And I play a cop who pulls him over and gives him a field sobriety test in his diaper. <laughs> so I have two scenes. It's really a lot of fun. Anyway. I was going to make a joke about how you managed to control yourself during your love scenes with Scarlett. Yeah, it was tough. But then I just realized if I was ever in a movie with Scarlett Johansson, it would be one of those now I can die in peace moments. So congratulations, Brian. Well, well, you know what? You know what helped with that? You know what helped with that? Is the fact that I had uh, only two scenes and I never saw her. <laughs> That was because of the restraining order. Yeah, well, I was never with Lyle within 3,000 feet of her. That's one uh, of your circle of advisors. Leave that information out. <laughs> did a movie with Scarlett Johansson. Thank you. Okay, okay thank you. you. Did it. Thank you. You should be my agent. Uh, the movie's called Under the Skin, and she actually plays an alien. And it is so, again, I'm another- I'm watching it tonight. Un, watch it tonight. Another filmmaker who takes another chance- it's ethereal, it's out there, it's weird, but it is chilling. Mm. And she lures her victims. Like a black widow? By her sex, by her looks. 
She literally takes men and the and the director used real people off the street. So it's got this like as some of her victims are like not actors, they're like people that she and he filmed her literally like gorilla style out on the street talking to men oh, at wow. different times. Wow. It's fucking and, and then and then the the imagination it when she lures them into a doorway, it's really the craft at that point. And I won't give anything away and what she does to them and stuff, but it is, it, it, you know, it's just a really underrated kind of UFO alien take. Under the skin. Under the skin, okay. completely inventive. So let's recap our top six films in the paranormal UFO and monster world. David, if you would. Of course. For uh, re- remind me of the categories, Matty. UFO, UFO, paranormal. You, you're going backwards and up. monsters, or you go monsters, <laughs> paranormal, UFO. Well, I'm just gonna read the murderers row for each yeah. of you, if that's okay. Perfect. From Ronnie, he had Hellboy, the Frighteners, the and then Ronnie, I believe you had a tie for your top choice in the UFO UFO category, fourth kind yes. and close encounters. Yes. From the great Matty Blake, we had Mothman, The Exorcist, and of course M Night Shyamalan's signs so, all right so well done but there is one person who's yeah he's this is an objector um Uh-oh. he hasn't been heard from all night long and he's pissed off the poor guy just wanted to go home he built that contraption he enjoyed his Reese's pieces and no love for et elliot <laughs> this movie was overrated <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I love ET. Uh, How can we yeah. not mention ET yes. in an honorable mention? Come on, love guys. an honorable mention. I just thought that. No, it's 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 right up there. Um, I've talked about this movie on another. I think it was one of our uh, Shawshank or other movie podcasts. David, like the there's a scene where like Spielberg's minimalist approach sometimes, like when he's at his best, is when he gets Hitchcock in and, and he shows you things in unique ways. You know, there's no expository dialogue. He'll show like you. Like the, the ball in the in the garage kind of rolling back and forth. Bingo. Right? And yeah. then another scene I think of is when, was it Peter Coyote plays the scientist who's trying to... Yeah, one of the guys that comes in in the big yes. white suits. Sure, yes. Sure. Yeah, and, and so you, you right, the first scene you see him, you just see his keys on his belt. Yes. And you just go... Enemy, bad guy. Yeah. You know, don't even see his face. Or, you know, yeah. that's that's the kind. And then, and then, but then it's revealed that he's got layers. He's not a bad guy. But at first, and then there's a scene where they go in the house, and they're doing a search for ET, and the government comes raiding the house. The kids are out, and what does he do? He doesn't do a multi camera shoot of them tearing the house apart with all their fancy equipment. He shows them go in, and he sh- and you see a shut door with a light under it, and you just see feet. Feet, feet, and there's a cord, a coiled cord. You don't know what that cord's attached to. You don't know what its purpose is. And all of a sudden, the cord just starts going, unwrapping, unwrapping, yeah. unwrapping, and then it just gets taut. Unspooling, yeah. Unspooling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you, and it's just so good. It's just such good filmmaking, and it just says everything about that scene that you want said, and there's a mm. million moments like that movie, in that movie. I love it. Yeah, um, first time I cried. It's weird to admit, but when ET died, I, I cried. Oh, yeah. I, I remember my mom. Remember mm. my mom putting her hand on my shoulder and consoling me because How I was old so were you? upset. Twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what year like did ET come out. Ten or twelve or. Do you remember 80, when it came out? Eighty four is my guess. Eighty four. So I was uh, fifteen. I guess I guess it's Aww. a little old to be crying at ET. No. Eighty two. Eighty two. Okay, 82. so there you go. I was only uh, thirteen. Okay, so I was uh, 11. <laughs> wow. 
And I was like, look at that pussy over there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that 14 year old pussy. You really don't. Hey, pussy. Did you see the, have you seen the documentary about Spielberg? It, it's just a retrospective yes. of the interviews of him. And uh, a lot of the themes, one of the themes is, uh, for lack of a better word, distrust of adults when you're a kid. Mm. And I guess he, he, his parents went through a rough divorce. Mm. And that's the E.T., one of the cool things about it is, you know, the relationship between E.T. and Elliot and him making a relationship with someone he wishes he could trust. But unfortunately, th the, the movie received a lot of blowback because of the poor portrayal of parents and adults. And yeah. you had to distrust them. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. But so, yeah, great movie. A lot of, yeah, lot it of really is. To to it really is. And uh, D. Wallace was just in a movie I rented because I was taking a plane ride. I was going work for Oak Island stuff. And I rented a 99-cent movie on iTunes. And I got this movie called Beyond the Sky, which is an alien abduction film. And she plays a part in it. She has like a uh, small role. And she looks great. I mean, I think in the movie, she's supposed to look like weathered. You yeah. know, she's like smoking and look weathered. But... She looks beautiful. I mean, she, you know, she's she, she's she's looks beautiful. Oh, oh my god! You just brought her up on the screen. Right. We, sh we share a birthday. You're kidding me. D. Oh, Wallace wow. and I, December fourteenth. Let's get her on the show. I bet she'll come on the podcast. The conversation starter right there, man. Yeah, oh. there we go. We have the same birthday, D. How you doing? What's up? Wow, I am sorry, D. If you're listening, was D. Wallace in, in the Howling? I yeah, I think she else. was. Let's see, she's in Critters. The Howling, yeah, right there. Holy shit. Yep. She played Karen White. All right, so that was a fun little um, movie pick. Monsters, have a film festival. If you haven't seen any of those films that we mentioned, see as many as you can, and we want to hear from you. Go to our Monster Mail. Let us hear it. Give us your reviews. Were we right? Were we wrong? And what movies did we leave off our list? And you can tell us that in... A monster mail. If you have questions or an experience to share, please send us your monster mail now at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Now it's time for monster mail. Okie dokie. Ronnie, uh, Mike New, our voice guy, just said it, but remind everyone how can they email us? How can they get us their questions, comments, uh, movie reviews from mm. tonight's discussion? Anything they want, how can they chime in? Sure. Send us an email at monsterlandreport at gmail.com, or you could find us on socials at monsterlandpod, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Reach out. And we want some experiences too. This is the. First week, we didn't get any new audio or video or stories, right. so let us hear from you. You can remain anonymous if that's what you want. If you just want a fake name or just a first name, initials, whatever, we will do what you tell us to do, but tell us your stories. If you've been sitting on a paranormal event, a uh, UFO sighting- Share your encounter, A please. Bigfoot encounter, anything, let us hear it because that's what we're here for. We're here to take you seriously and to help you find other people who've been through this it's a safe space. We could talk about this stuff and try and figure out what the hell's going on. Um, so we got some good mail tonight. We're gonna we're so late. We're gonna run through some of them. Uh, Rick says, "Hey guys, I just watched the Utah footage. Um, now this is the footage that we talked about last week, taken from a drone. Yep, UFO footage. Ronnie loved it right away. I had to be kind of sold on it. Now I'm kind of it's pretty wow. awesome. Um, we posted it on Twitter." So if you go to at MonsterlandPod on Twitter, you can link, see the video, and comment, decide for yourself. Rick says, just watch Utah footage, pardon the language, but what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> also, have you guys heard of the Betts Sphere? 
Bet sphere. No, but we've heard, of, we've heard of splunking. Oh, God. <laughs> if not, dig into that story uh, and see the first thing that comes to your mind. Good God, this thing could be one of these orange orbs. It's definitely a prime candidate. Well, we're going to look into that. I promise you. We also got some stuff on social media. We posted uh, last week's episode, the audio of a potential Bigfoot from our guest, Dave McCullough. Did you hear the growls, everybody? Monsters, what do you think? Let us know. Go to our Instagram. You'll see the picture of Bigfoot. You can weigh in on the comments. Uh, We got some great comments. Like Sandy says, wow. Uh, P. Lloyd says, the people's hot dog, which is a (laughs) reference to my radio show. Thanks a lot. Uh, Devil's Own says, my drive home sucks without you guys. Shower beers, another reference to the radio show. See, we've got some cross-pollination here. B2 Trucking, shower beers, another reference (laughs) to the radio show. Uh, uh, Sulaima says, please... Uh, Stiz would do anything for $20 at this point, so good job. Another reference to the uh, radio show. Um, boy, the comments keep coming. Hold on one second. Uh, we've got whoo, Sandy again. Wow. Um, Bobbery Bob says, is that a lady Bigfoot? I think she's referring. It's a Patterson Gimlet still with the yes. breasts. You know yes. what I mean? Um, <laughs> Sus- uh, Susan says, I hope not. When we say, do you think that that was really a Bigfoot? I hope not. I don't want a Bigfoot around here. They scare me. You know, that's something that is is absolutely a valid concern. Like we, I said it to Dave, I think, or to John, like you're out there in the middle of the woods and you're hoping you have an encounter and then you have one. It's going to be like, holy shit. Yeah. And like you were saying, he brings a gun or a knife or something with him to protect himself out in those woods. And finally, uh, War, Warborn Leatherwork says, Bigfoot's got a nice rack. Harry, but I'm not judging. So, uh, monsters, when I say we want comments, um, I was thinking maybe a little more thoughtful. We'll take that too. We'll, t- well, we'll take that. Bigfoot's gonna. That brings up a whole another point uh, of big Bigfoot erotica. Oh my god! Which was featured on the Colbert. No, it was uh, John Oliver tonight used Bigfoot erotica as a gag when talking about Brexit. I believe. Uh, I think that's a subject we won't dive no. into. No, there was a there was a politician, and I can look it up. But there was yeah. a politician who was exposed, <gasps> at, right. admitted, admitted to right. creating big fought erotica. Right. Give me a minute, I'll find that. Oh, uh, no, that's good. We're good. We're good. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know what's going to happen. You're right. Here's what's going to happen. No, let me explain uh, to people. We have a huge monitor in here. We're like a a cheap Joe Rogan podcast, and you're going to search for that, and there's going to be a huge Bigfoot dong on my screen. <laughs> so I'm good. Do not need, please. Do not search Bigfoot erotica. Oh, uh, Ronnie, you got a piece of mail over there, too? I, I did get a little note from our friend Tom from season one, as people will remember him with the drones and his Bigfoot sighting on the front lawn. It was funny. I was um, thinking about him and, and trying to look on following up on any recent cases, and he sends me a text uh, with a picture. He goes, check this out, you guys, and sends me a, a picture of a car in front of him with the license plate that says Bigfoot. Oh, I so love it. I just thought it was just, I it was love just it. crazy, the synchronicity as I was thinking about him, working on something, trying to get uh, some more updates, and that he sends me that text. That was I love it. <laughs> um, well, we've gone long enough, everybody. Uh, will be This will drop on Tuesday. Then there'll be a week off because I'm going to Florida this week, and we will be back after that with more we have been promising it for a long time we told you season two we're going to be out on the road and that is going to happen and oh my god there's bigfoot erotica i told you what? there's a bigfoot there's a dog censored bigfoot uh, dog. i don't 
I told you Woo. don't do that. I'm glad now. this is a 30 inch monitor, nothing bigger. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Now I'm all horny. I mean, uh, offended, <laughs> offended uh, for Ronnie LeBlanc, producer Dave, Bob Kraskowski, our wonderful guest. Go see the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. You can find it on demand everywhere. Go Select find theaters. this movie. Yep. The man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Thank you again, Bob. And thank you, monsters. Keep the stories coming. Keep the content coming. And remember, until next time, if you're going to venture out into Monsterland, be careful. There's Bigfoot dongs out there. Sweet Lord. Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Monsterland Pod. Until we meet again in Monsterland. Who did I just trip over? A Bigfoot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I had a nickel for every time I heard that from one of my dates. <laughs>